0: Hi, and welcome to Real Trail Talk. I am Donovan D'Souza from The Long Ways Better.
1: And I'm Mark Pybus from The Life of Py. Welcome to episode 46. We have a returning guest returning. Welcome back, Michelle from Walking 2 by 2
2: Hi, guys. Thanks for having me back. I'm excited to be here.
1: It's been a bit of a while. Yeah, it has yeah. been. you've been not here. So. No,
2: I've been off trekking around the world again. Yep. Excellent.
1: Yeah. So that's why we've got you in, because the topic for the podcast today is Caminos and loosely pilgrimages, which I suppose it's the same thing. Yes. You've done quite a few over the years.
2: I have. I've done quite a few different ones. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we're going to talk about Caminos. Mm. Yeah.
1: So straight up, do you just want to list how many you've done and then also which country they're in?
2: Okay, I have done uh, two Caminos in um, Spain, or Portugal and Spain. I've done one through Italy. I've done one in Norway and one in Sweden. And I've done one through Switzerland, France and Italy, which isn't... It's a Camino, but it's technically not. I don't quite know how to define that. Okay, But if you were to google it it would come up as a pilgrimage mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. and you've done one in western and Australia. and i've also done one in western australia and i have done one on the coast of italy so i've done a few
0: yeah yeah so perfect for this discussion of the you know the subgenre of the camino hike
2: camino hike yeah because i yeah. think
0: one of the things that we've we've talked about in a few episodes is that not all hikes are for everyone and there's different types of hikes And so this is one of our, I guess, attempts to nut out one of the the main genres of hiking.
2: Exactly. Hiking, there is a broad spectrum of ways that you can hike and styles of hiking as such. Um, And I try as a person to attempt all styles and I have to love them for what they are. I, I really do enjoy them. Um but yeah if we're going to talk about camino we should talk about what the word means. Yeah, what
0: what is a camino? I
2: mean does do you know what the word camino means?
0: The way, is it? Yeah, yeah. It, is it
2: means it? the way, path, yeah. road, passage. Yes. Yeah. So that's what camino means and it's easy to remember that because of the movie that they've had out, I think it was in 2010, The Way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so and pilgrimage is another Meaning of the word, Um, pilgrimage is a journey, a journey to a destination. Um, It can be a spiritual journey, a religious journey, or just a journey where you open your door and you walk from A to B. Um, Yeah, so now we know what a Camino is and a pilgrimage is.
1: So I technically could have the Camino to bus stop and my getting out of the door and going to my bus every day.
2: Technically you could. Yes.
1: It's not a very good Camino. Um, no. But I think the Camino has become quite popular in just regular culture. Um, you mentioned the movie The Way, which mm-hmm. was about the Camino de Santiago. Do you think more people are being attracted to the lifestyle of the Camino?
2: Absolutely. I, I think having the movies come out, and there's a, many books out on the market as well, of the Camino, um, particularly we're talking about the one in Spain, the Caminos that walk through Spain and end in Santiago, Um, they've become very popular because they're attractive. You watch a movie and you see the way it happens and the culture of it and it becomes attractive to people. Mm. Um, So, yeah, it is. it's, It's extremely popular now. And you find that there's more movies and documentaries coming out Every year Mm. on them, yeah.
0: So you've said, you know, loosely they're a pathway, Mm -hmm. but there's a very, I guess, a more specific idea of what the platonic form of one of these are. Um, Could you, I guess, talk about what that is and also what attracts people to this kind of hike?
2: Okay, well, we'll start with the pathway. Um, A lot of these journeys, um, let's talk about the Camino in Spain, which is the one that the way was focused on um, and that was the Camino Francais Uh, that pathway is the pathway where you're following the pilgrimage of St. James Um, and a lot of people that walk it you have who are walking in the footsteps of St. James Um, you've got others that are walking in their own footsteps of a pilgrimage spiritually for within themselves um, and you've got others that just want to enjoy it and walk it for what it
0: is. So I guess the question I would ask is what sort of person do you think this type of hike is is geared for you know because I think there's some hikes like you know we've talked about me being a bit of a you know I'm a junkie for wow moments and there are people who are like no I must walk long distances and that's that's, that's what they get out of it. Who's the sort of, I guess, the target hiker for these kind of walks?
2: Okay. For for a lot of these pilgrimages, the target hiker as such, um, it, it, again, is a very wide uh, platform. Um, the most common you find are the over 65s, surprisingly okay. enough. Yeah. The retiree, the person who has raised their family, they've paid their mortgage, they've done their dues, and they now want time to find themselves and have time for themselves and they do have time for themselves and they will go walk these trails Um, you also will have the other group of people that will do it for their spiritual reasons Mm. Um, you will have the younger people that have seen the movie and think it's really great and they want to have a go at it Um, you have people who will walk it they might have had a death in the family of a loved one Something drastic has changed in their life, and they just don't know what to do. And to walk one of these trails gives them that opportunity to be able to go out and find themselves. Mm. And um, the difference between one of these trails to one that you were describing that you like, like going out in the bush and the rough trail, and yeah, these ones are more. You tend to walk more from town to town. You're not out of civilization, but you do during the day have enough time to yourself. You are remote in periods of time, but you're never so far remote that you're in the full wilderness.
0: Right. Yeah. So it might be more accessible to some people who maybe not as a lot more
2: accessible. Mm. So you don't need to be to walk one of these trails. You don't need to be a super super athlete. Uh, reasonably fit within yourself. Um, there's been many a people who have taken children, older people, um, some in their 90s. I've even had dinner with one in his 80s um, who has walked it. Um, you have people who have been even pushed in their wheelchairs. Um, and there was a movie done about that as well. And it, it's quite incredible because this is the sort of trail or pilgrimage that is opened for everybody to experience it 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 doesn't hold any boundaries whereas if you were to go out bush and do one of the hardcore trails say out now wilderness it it's narrows down who can actually achieve that yeah yeah so i think the great thing about these pilgrimages is that everybody can have a go and everybody can experience what they need to experience um yeah'cause
1: so I think the the basic concept behind the the caminos and that type of walking is embedded into human culture. like we were doing this thousands of years ago, mm. and the addition of all these long distance trails that you need to go into the wilderness for are a relatively new thing unless you're talking about indigenous populations like um the aboriginals in w a going following the seasons it's kind of a yeah it's something we've always done and i like that ancient feel to the pilgrimage like you're not just someone who's come along and bought all their gear and you're going to go do the Billman or the pct you're following in the footsteps of people who were doing this Thousands of years thousands ago. and thousands of years and there's ago, history yes. in all of these places,
2: and it, it's quite interesting. A lot of these pilgrimages, especially the routes that I've been on, there's a lot of sections that they mightn't have been from the footsteps of a saint, as such. They could have been footsteps of a king. One was from a princess. Um, they are also trade old trading routes. They might even be old war routes, like Roman roads. Um, there is some kind of history on every part of it. Um, and that I find very fascinating when you're hiking these to walk along and you see like some of the Roman roads that I have walked on and you look down and you think, oh my God, that was laid so far Mm. prior. And now I'm on here. Mm. Or you pass a stone wall. And I remember once walking along and just putting my hand on the wall, trying to imagine what it would have taken for them to have built that wall. And it it blows my mind probably more so than somebody who lives over there. Because like you, I'm from Australia. We don't have the history that goes back that far. Mm. So when we get over there and we start to see it and experience it, it, it's mind blowing. It is, it just becomes this whole new world that you didn't even know existed. Mm. Um, yeah, I I absolutely love it. Love mm. it.
1: Yeah. I might put you on the spot here, but do you know the story behind the typical Camino logo?
2: Yes, the, the shell. The shell, yeah. Now, there is quite a few stories. Um, and no doubt there'll be listeners that will debate some of the stories. Because some people, there's... I've actually walked with people who have been very, very strong on their opinion on what the story is. Um, and it, it's quite a loose story and people, it, it, it's a bit like a tale a folklore where um, people will tell it over generations and it changes or, yeah. Now, if you, you know what a scallop shell looks like and mm. you just picture having a um all the the veins of the scallop shell as you would say spread out but they come to a point that more or less symbolizes the pilgrimage routes ending in one spot um let's well santiago for this case um a lot of the time back in the medieval times pilgrims of such would have carried or people walking these trails would have carried a scallop shell and they would have used it as a plate or even a cup or to scoop water now that doesn't sound that romantic but you know that was the practical side of a scallop shell Um, then there was all the stories of why you carry the scallop shell Okay, one of the stories I did hear along the way. Now I'm just going to tell you as I heard it. Mm. Um, so it is probably very way off the mark.
1: I believe the young people say, "Don't at me."
2: Don't. Oh, okay. Don't Do at me. Yeah,
1: I don't know. These oh, that's things. a new it's, one. It's a Twitter thing. So if don't at me. If you at them, you put the at symbol and then their name or their uh, user handle, and then you reply to them. Don't at me. Arguing. Okay, I at, will remember. At, not hat. <laughs>
2: oh, don't at me. Okay, sounds good. Yes. Um, I had heard stories of about how they found St. James washed up on the beach, wrapped up in scallop shells. Um, And because the pilgrimage is of the St. James route, that's why they had it. Now, there is also a whole lot of other tales. My suggestion is Google them. Yeah, yeah. that's that's the cop-out. (laughs) <laughs> Google them
0: And take it all With a pinch of salt and, I guess
2: Yeah Yeah And and yeah Enjoy the tale That you want to enjoy And believe Yeah mm. But if you do Walk the Francis route Or any of the routes You will see Everybody Has the scallop shell mm. And they have The symbol um, St James symbol On the scallop shell mm. And it'll be Attached to their bag Or their hat Or you know They've got it on them Or that some carry it Around their neck Um, If you're on the Francis route, it might come in handy around Estella, uh, which is where there is a fountain. And the fountain is actually red wine.
3: Oh, really? So you can
2: have, you know, there's two fountains side by side. You can have some water. You can have some red wine or you can have a bit of both. And I've heard a lot of stories just from that. Now, these stories are quite good. Like one person who had two bladders that they carried, one with water and one with red wine. So, you know, you could fill up quite nicely on the wine as you Mm. go by.
1: Yeah. That's one question I wanted to ask you is because in the way it seems like, you're going town to town. Everything's jolly. There's nice food. There's yes. wine everywhere. It's all cheap, and everyone's having a good time. Is that actually the case?
2: Pretty much.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm doing so year, that is
2: yeah. It, it is. You have to walk between towns though, mm. and that's hard. That's hard work. Um, but yeah, in the towns, everybody is happy. Um, the the food. Well, who doesn't love food? The food is great, uh, especially the tappers. Mm, mm. Uh, you could have the pilgrim's menu if you really want to be on a budget, but it's not that great. Um, I had the pleasure of staying in some monasteries um, on my first pilgrimage, and that was just fantastic. The monks came out with um, their wine, and they'd cooked food, and we mm. sat around the table, and we all shared a meal. Um, loved it. Um yeah, so yeah, you do have that sense of culture, which is a big draw card for one of these walks. You find that you will become a part of a big family, and it's not like if you were just walking another trail where you don't see a lot of people or you don't see them day in and day out. Here, you will meet people that you will walk with. You will see them every night, or you might not see them for a week, and then you'll run into them. The whole culture scene is fantastic, and yet you do have that sort of, as you put, party vibe. Yeah, mm. it 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 is great. It is wonderful, yeah.
0: Just something that you were saying earlier about the shell and you know people coming yeah. from various different places, because I guess one of the things is not. As obviously apparent is that there's multiple routes to some of these places. Yeah, I
2: find a lot of people when that, you know, I have a lot of people asking me when I'm traveling, you know, oh, have you walked the Camino? My first thing is, uh, which one? (laughs) Because a lot of people don't realize that there's more than one Camino Mm. on all the movies and that they show one particular route, which is the France route.
0: Why is that the one that they always show? It's the
2: popular one. It's the one that most people walk, and that is across the middle. Um, So that one people refer to. So if somebody asks you about the Camino, that is probably the one they're talking about. Um, But there are various walks. Now, these walks also start all over the world. And uh, funny enough, last year, somebody in Australia started... From Australia.
0: To Santiago. To
2: Santiago. (laughs) So basically, it's they've opened, and and a pilgrimage is when you open your door and you you walk from your front door Mm. to the destination, Mm. and you find a lot of people and you meet a lot of people over in Europe that, you know, they might be from Germany, Belgium, you know, Russia. It it doesn't matter where they've come from, but they've walked from that point. I walked with a man who come from Denmark. He opened his front door and walked from Denmark. Which Um, Denmark? (laughs) Not Denmark, Australia. (laughs) So, yeah, so there's routes all over the world and they tend to end in a spot. Now, traditionally, there were three main routes, pilgrimage routes in the world. Uh, Well, three main destinations, I should say. You've got Santiago de Compostela, which is in Spain. You've got Rome, which is in Italy or the Vatican. Um, And then you've got Jerusalem. So they were the three main pilgrimages throughout the world.
1: Probably add a fourth and say Mecca as well. You could. Even though they don't call it the Camino,
0: <laughs> yeah, and I guess there's if, when you expand it out that I guess we're, we're talking about it in the Christian tradition because, yes. yeah. you know, Buddhists have theirs in Tibet and yes. the and they have the um, the Kumano Kodo in Japan. Yes. So there's, yeah. there's a, I guess You've got you've you got, can got the Inca Trail.
2: You've got the in China. You've got the Great Wall of, you know, the Great Wall of China. Yeah, there's even one in California. You know, so. There are many pilgrimage routes. Now, I've just finished walking a pilgrimage route, which was one of the St. Olive's Way. Mm. Now, that one ends in Trondheim. They've got eight now that finish in Trondheim. So they've got eight different trails. I've done two of them, one from Oslo to Trondheim, and now I've done one from Sweden, from Selenda to Trondheim. So, yeah, there's pilgrimages all over the world.
0: Mm-hmm. And so th- are these ones newer, the St. Olive's Way?
2: The St. Olive's Way, well, the routes have always been there. Um, they basically, like I said before, a lot of these trails that are pilgrimages are all trading routes. They're all, you've got to remember back then, like now we've got highways, freeways, roads. This is their roads back then. hmm you know, their highways, their freeways to get from A to B because they didn't have cars. They travelled by horse or walked or boat um, and they had to create routes and ways that they would do that.
1: Mm. You kind of stole my big segue there, but we may as well, while we're on it... Oh, I am um, so sorry. (laughs) You just got back from your St. Olive's Way um, Camino pilgrimage Why that one again and what appeals to you about that area and that kind of destination?
2: Okay, Um, the Pilgrimages of St. Olives, I fell in love with them because they're not overly popular at this point in time. And for me, I love something that's not so crowded. I love to be able to walk and not have too many people around. So we started to look more abroad from the Spanish walks because for us, we're finding there's too many people now walking in Spain. So we wanted to look beyond Spain. Um, and there is so much more to see in the world. So we want to spread out and see more and more countries. Now, typically market, my mark <laughs> be clear about that sorry everybody my husband's name's mark as well uh yeah typically we don't do the same thing or end in the same spot but we did walk some years back the norwegian pilgrimage Saint olives or the Gudsbrand sledden way up to Trondheim and that was from Oslo and it was absolutely incredible and it was amazing and it was very very similar in the sense of of the Caminos in Spain, because you were walking from town to town. You still collected your stamps, which we will get onto that in a minute about what the stamps are. And you can still get your Compostela, your certificate at the end. Um, And it is still very much a pilgrimage. You're following the way of St. Olive, um, which was the first King of Norway. And there was a lot of history and we really enjoyed that. But we also met a lot of people that had walked the trail from sweden so we were fascinated with the whole idea of actually walking through sweden because we'd never been to sweden before so that had played on our mind for a few years and then we thought okay well now's the time we need to go and walk from sweden to trondheim and i have to say i'm very much in love with trondheim and we feel there might be one more in us
1: <laughs> is there one from finland so you can connect Uh, collect all the Scandinavian countries.
2: (laughs) (laughs) There's one that cuts across the three up the top, and we're very much looking at that one. Awesome.
0: So the stamps.
2: Okay, let's get on to the stamps. Okay. Uh, A lot of these pilgrimages, the Caminos, they have passports. Now, the passport is a way of you being recognised that you're a pilgrim, that you are walking And as you go through the towns and you stay in your accommodation, your albergues and your pensions, they will give you a stamp to say that you've been there and they'll date it. And that is a pretty much proof of evidence that you have walked it. So at the end of the trip, you can collect your certificate to say that you have achieved that walk. Now, with these stamps, you have to achieve 100 kilometres minimum to be able to get that certificate. And that's pretty much standard in a lot of the countries with the Caminos. It's the same in, um, with the Via Francigena, and it's the same with the Norwegian Caminos. So, yeah. And it's a lot of fun. Mm. And I really love, like in Norway and Sweden, we'd be walking along, and Mark especially loved this. We had to look for the letterboxes that were tied to the trees. And in those letterboxes were little stamps. So we'd go and collect our stamps each day. And some days we'd get up to four stamps, and it was a lot of fun. That sounds yeah. cool. Yeah. 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 It brings the child out in you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think we've talked about this, uh, you know, like collecting all the patches. And like yes. We're all... Yeah, fans of them, like it's a, it's a cool thing, you know. I don't know what it is, but there's like this thing in human nature to like want to collect things and have. it's, the, uh, it, the, it's p- a the little Pokemon version of it's Warcraft. a little <laughs> badge of
2: honor that we've achieved something. Yeah. I yeah. think you know, it's a bit like at school, you did good in your reading, you get a stamp. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> the gold yeah. star
3: approach. The exactly. The <laughs> yeah. validation. Yeah, I think yeah. that's what
2: it is. But um it is it is it's a lot of fun and it just adds a whole different element. And there was one day in particular we got to this place. Now I knew there was a stamp box there. We couldn't find it. And I'm not joking. We walked around for 20 minutes in this area looking for it and it was like, you know, where's Wally? Just it's it's got to be here somewhere. And there it was. It was a birdhouse. <laughs> up in the tree. And it was just by chance that I turned and the light flickered the the metal part of the stamp through the whole of the birdhouse. Mm. And, yeah, and we managed to get the stamp. So it, it's a lot of fun. Yeah.
1: The mm. one concept I wanted to talk about is that of being a pilgrim because the way I've heard it described is you're essentially not without resource, but you're walking through and people are more generous and more charitable um, and treat you nicer than if you were just kind of a regular person. There's something about being a pilgrim that brings out the best in people that want to help you.
2: Yes, you do get that generosity a lot. And it's funny because I find it not just on the Caminos. I get it on any of my walks. Even when I was hiking through South Australia, I yeah. had a lady rush out and give me a juice box. She came out of her farm and gave me a juice box and apologized that it was warm. And, you know, I was <laughs> not expecting to get a juice box mm. going across a paddock. But, you know, people do. They get that sense that they want to help you. And, yes, you are. You're, you're somebody that's doing something extraordinary. So you got to remember the people that have been generous, they're probably not hikers or they've not done something like that but they admire what you're doing they see this person this ordinary person and they're carrying a backpack and they're walking and they're walking some extraordinary kilometers mm. and you're doing this amazing thing and they just they want to be a part of that and that by helping you and it's a really beautiful thing that you know you have people share I had one time in Portugal, I'd come through a big cornfield. Now, I was by myself. I was doing that one solo. And it was a bit like, I was a bit creeped out because it was a bit like the children of the corn. (laughs) And (laughs) it, it was a bit scary. But I came out and there was this old man in his veggie garden and he called me over, which is a bit creepy too. But he made me hold my hands out. Now, he couldn't speak English. I held my hands out and he put in my hands a whole pile of cherry tomatoes. It was just, you know, I could have cried. Mm -hmm. It was just the most beautiful thing. You know, I just spent most of the day on my own. I've been walking through the children of the corn and (laughs) then I was given cherry tomatoes Mm -hmm. and it was just beautiful. So you have that happen quite a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I could tell you a, a ton of stories of people's generosity. And it, it's a it's a really lovely thing, yes.
0: So the question I'd have regarding pilgrims, I guess, is obviously back in the day it was probably like 100% religious. What's the sort of percentages now? Um are, are a lot of people doing it for religious reasons or is it more now something that people do more as tourists?
2: Okay, there are statistics on that, and I was just about to look at that for you, but I won't. What I will say is that reading through the statistics earlier, it is still quite a large amount doing it for religious reasons. Um, But there's also a fair amount that don't. They do it for other reasons, personal reasons, personal spiritual reasons. That's another common answer. Um, It's one of those questions when you are on a Camino walking one of these trails, it's a question that a lot of pilgrims ask each other. Why are you doing this? What are you here for? And you get that question asked a lot. And you ask that question a lot. Mm. Um, and a lot of the answers are varied. Um, so, but to answer you, yes, there are still a lot of spirit, uh, religious reasons why people will walk it. Mm. Yeah.
0: And do you personally walk it for religious reasons? If you don't mind me asking.
2: No, I I don't mind you asking. No, I'm I'm not of religion, and I have mentioned that a lot in a lot of my YouTube shows when I've been walking through. I will say I'm not of religion. I am a spiritual person within myself, um, but I appreciate the religion.
3: Mm.
2: I appreciate what I'm seeing and experiencing as I go along. I have sat through some masses. I I sat through a midnight mass in Trondheim. And as I'm saying that, I'm picturing my husband chuckling because I did fall asleep halfway (laughs) through. (laughs) I apologize, but it was a midnight mass and we had walked all day. So in my defense, it wasn't my fault that I fell asleep. But I do enjoy seeing the experience that people are getting. I do enjoy watching their faces like when they come in, especially in um, Santiago, when you see them finish and their their experience that they show and give, especially when they walk into the church, the cathedral. Um, Yeah, so I really do appreciate that, even though I'm not of religion.
1: Yeah. Mm. So I suppose a lot to see along these Caminos is the architecture of the churches and all these nice buildings. And you take away modern religion and all of its flashy big buildings in the suburbs and songs and whatnot. I think there's a romantic um, way to view these religious walks, these Caminos.
2: Yes, you, you do have a lot of the time the churches are your destination of a day. Um, and you have some incredible buildings that you go through. I'm in awe. I, I walk into some of these churches and I am just totally in awe of how they are and they're, they're very well looked after. Um, as you're walking along, you will come across a lot of these churches and there's also, especially up in some of the mountains and the forests, you will find these little chapels. Mm-hmm. And they're really fascinating because they're just the tiniest little building. A lot of the time you can't get in because they're locked, but you can stick your head through the window. Um, and you get a sense of peace when you're around them. So, yeah, it is sort of romanticised. And I do often find my mind going back to the Middle Ages and wonder what it's like, you know, mm-hmm. people coming up that hill to worship at that tiny little cathedral that's sitting on the top. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Obviously, they wouldn't have their ultra-lightweight gear, even their lightweight gear. So this moves on to the topic of gear on the Camino. Um, Obviously, you're not self-supported for seven days at a time, and you're staying mostly in towns. Mm -hmm. What quantity of gear and what would you take on a typical Camino?
2: On a typical Camino, you really wouldn't need... You don't need to take much at all. In fact, your pack's very, very light. Um, It depends, too, on what time of the year you go. You know, you might need to put a few warm thermals in and a a nice warm jumper and beanie if you go, say, in April um, or closer to December. Um, But you really only ever seem to carry a change of clothes. Some carry a sleeping bag but others if you go in the dead of summer you wouldn't bother but you will carry a liner a silk liner uh, because you're staying in a lot of these um albergues and hostels that provide a bed for you but you have to provide your own sleeping gear Mm. if you are one that wants to stay in um pensions or hotels along the way you wouldn't need to bring anything Because the bedding would be provided.
3: Mm.
2: So you just need to bring, you know, change your clothes. But there's really not a lot that you need to carry. It's not like going out bush where you need to make sure you've got, you know, days worth of food, X amount of water, you know. Along the way, there are plenty of fountains, water fountains, so you can restock. So you don't have to carry a whole three litres of water.
3: Mm. You know,
2: on our last trip, we had a litre each and, you know, we just kept restocking, you know, in the stream or the fountains that we came across. Mm. So it's it's very different. You really don't need to carry a lot. So it'll boil down to what you want to carry. Because you will have some that will say, well, you don't need that. and You don't need that. But it's up to you what you want to carry. But truthfully, you really don't need a whole lot of anything. Mm. And that's the beauty about having gone on one of these walks and people do say this when they've gone on one of these walks they realize what they don't need Mm. you know they really need very little Mm. and they start to appreciate less Mm. more is less yeah yeah
1: i suppose if you decide you don't need something or you want to buy something else you're not too far away from a shop to get it exactly
2: and like a friend of mine said there are shops along the way Mm. So, you know, you don't need to, you know, carry all your products with you, your shampoos, your conditioners and all that sort of stuff. You can buy them along the way. So you can buy the little travel packs and when you run out, go buy more.
0: Mm.
2: You know, you don't need to carry food because you will be going in and out of towns,
0: Mm. you know. So I guess it's probably uh, a really good hike for beginners because they can... It's a great hike for yeah, beginners. You don't have to have all the gear, the yes. specialist stuff that, you know, we have for going up into the in, backcountry kind of areas. Yeah. And in
2: saying that, the other thing is you don't even have to carry gear. Mm. There are so many companies over on these hikes, not just in Spain, but in the other countries where you can have your gear carried for you where they do a pack service and drop it off at your accommodation for the night. So all you have to take is your day bag. Mm. And that is also a lovely way to travel because Mm. you get up in the morning and all you have to think about is walking. It's Mm. great. Mm. Yeah.
1: So we've talked about gear. Mm. Um, Obviously, going town to town, it's not going to be as cheap as your backcountry hikes, what's your average cost of, say, accommodation and food per day?
2: Okay, it depends which country you're in. The one we've just been in,
1: very
0: expensive.
1: Sweden.
2: Sweden, Norway. Oh, they kill you. Very Mm. expensive. But if you're walking through Portugal or Spain and even parts of Italy, it's so much cheaper. You would look at around... Uh, You know, if I was to average it out for the average person, around €50 a day.
0: And what kind of accommodation does that get you? And that
2: will get you, that would include your food. uh, That will get your accommodation in the albergues, um, which is pilgrims' accommodation.
0: Mm. So is that like a dorm sort of?
2: Yeah, it's like a hostel. Okay. And the only people that can stay in them, though, are the pilgrims. And that's where your passport comes in handy. Because if you're not carrying a passport with stamps in it, you're not allowed to stay. Okay. (laughs) So you kind of have to collect the stamps along the way if you want to stay in those albergues. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so you can do it the cheap way. Um, And, you know, have the pilgrim's meal each night, which is about, I think at the moment it's around the €12. Coffee, tea, Beer is so cheap over there. Mm. It's incredible. Um, A lot of the albergues, uh, they range from 15 euro to around, I think the highest I've seen is 35 euro. Um, Some are by donation um, to stay in. Even if you decide, and this is always a good thing too, I find, and I've done this many a time, where I'll stay in all the albergues, but every now and then I'll go and get a hotel room. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah,
2: Because you just need space. You just want to have that little moment to yourself where you're not sharing a dorm room with 40 other people or 20 other people that snore. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And, and you want to go and have a shower and not be worried that everybody else is going to walk in at the same time. Mm. Because some of the showers, the bathrooms, they're unisexed, um, which is fine. But sometimes you just want your own space. Mm. Yeah. And the good thing over there is that the hotels and that you can walk into some of the hotels and they're very cheap. And if you've got, again, a pilgrim's passport, they often give you a discount because you're a pilgrim. Awesome. Now, I had one day in Portugal where it didn't stop raining and it was bucketing down to the point I walked 12 kilometres, walked into a town and went, I'm done. I'm not walking another (laughs) step. I was sloshing in my boots. So I walked, I didn't even stop at the albergue. I walked straight past the albergue and went to a four star hotel and I walked in dripping wet. They took one look at me and I said, I need a room (laughs) (laughs) and it cost me 35 euro. Mm, mm. It was great.
1: Fantastic.
2: Had my own room. I had my own (laughs) shower. Yeah, had my own bed.
1: So I was gonna ask, did you immediately get out of the pouring rain and go, I need to have a shower? <laughs> no.
2: <laughs> no, it was actually more thoughts to I need to get my clothes dry. Yeah. 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 And funny enough, when I did get to the laundromat, there was a lot of pilgrims there standing around in their underwear. Mm. So we all got caught out that day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: So you've talked about fifty euros a day basically as the the daily average so how long, over how long a period of time is a general generally the length of a Camino? Okay,
2: if we're going to talk about, let's say the Camino Francais, which is the one that everyone knows about, you can look at the average of around 30 to 35 days. It's around the 800 kilometre mark. Okay. So it's, um, yeah, that's a good, decent time to be out. Mm. Yeah. So. And
1: what kind of distances, I suppose... Thirty odd days, how far per day do you reckon you're gonna go?
2: Well, that depends entirely on what people want to walk personally. I I think the the first day if you were to take off what does it say?
0: So I just did a quick calculation. It says twenty six point six
2: six six. I was about to say the first day on the Francis route, a lot of people do the twenty seven kilometers. And that's going up over the Pyrenees. It's a bugger of a day. Mm. Um, But you don't have to do the long kilometres. You can do it shorter because there are so many towns that you're going through. Mm. So you can cater it to what you want. You'll find, though, you get your trail legs after a while. Yeah. Um, And you will find that, you know, 26 or that 27K day is a walk in a park by the end of it.
1: Mm. Yeah. Especially if you don't have to have... 15 to 20 odd kilos on your back exactly (laughs) exactly
2: if you're walking with around the nine kilo mark on your back then yeah it's just not that bad yeah
1: Yeah. i suppose that's a good another good segue into uh we'll talk about the wa camino because that is one that you won't have the luxury of going town to town and that's one that you did last year just want to give us a, a brief Overview of the trail and the facilities and what you can expect from that. Community.
2: Okay. That one, I've done that one on and off for a bit. Um, and it was actually this year. This year? No, yeah, that's that's right this year. it was this year. I know the
1: year. It was hot when you did it, wasn't it? It was
2: so hot. It really was hot. Um, that one, yeah, that's our WA-owned trail. Mm. Um, and, yeah, it, it, it's not a bad trail.
0: That sounds like a very (laughs) diplomatic way of saying it's not great.
2: (laughs) If you wanted to compare it with the Caminos over there, it's not, even though they want it to be the same, it's not quite. Mm. Because you are not going town to town. So it's not like a cafe walk as such, you know. And this is West Australia. You can't get that. Mm. You know, we don't have town to towns that close. Mm. So you are a lot more m- remote. Mm. Um, there isn't really a lot of accommodation. So you either got to do it by day, drop off, pickup or you will camp out. Um, there are a few B and B's and that along the way, and if you contact them, they will pick you up, and um, you can stay with them. And they'll put you back on the trail the next day. Mm. So the the Walk we're talking about at the moment goes from Subiaco to New Norcia for those who are unsure,
0: mm. and yeah. it's based on what Bishop Salvado would have done walking from Subiaco it's to New Norcia. M- loosely sort
2: of. based on <laughs> what he would have done when he came over. Mm. Yeah, and funny enough, when he did it, it was in January. Oh, I know, How did crazy, he not crazy. Die? Where did I you know. <laughs> he actually walked with some um, Aboriginal local uh, Aboriginal. Ah, uh, right. So he would have been well looked after, I think, in that sense. Yeah. I suppose
1: yeah. the, uh, the Avon River wouldn't have been as polluted as it is now. So he could have Probably at least not. drunk from that yeah. for the, the first little bit. Yeah. Mm.
2: But it is, you know, if you haven't done it, I would suggest go and experience it. Um, the first day, surprisingly enough, leaving the city, I really enjoy it. Um, you you are walking from Subiaco, you can either follow the train line straight down to East Perth or you, and this is the way that I suggest, is that you go through King's Park Mm. and go down St George's Mm. Terrace. And um, I found that really fascinating because I actually did a lot of the war memorial walk in King's Park Mm. and looked at the history and it, it tells the story all the way through and down St. George's Terrace of basically how Perth became. Mm. Um, And I find that very fascinating. So I didn't see it as just a walk from A to B. I saw it as something that I was actually learning from. And I was learning a lot about my own city. i I, have grown up in Perth and I learnt a lot walking through and looking at the memorials and discovering it. Um, And then when you get to East Perth, you're following the river through to Guildford and you can end the day at the pub Mm
3: -hmm.
2: which is always a good thing yeah (laughs) yeah but you walk along the river and you're not actually on any of the roads then
3: Mm -hmm.
2: so you go on a few roads on that day but you do a lot of the wetlands walk and it's actually really peaceful and beautiful
0: it is really lovely along that river there i've not done the, yeah. the camino salvado but i've walked along that river then it's really stunning
2: it is stunning absolutely stunning so um in that sense the first day is great yeah. um uh, the second day is not so great because you're walking mainly on west swan road now west swan road on a normal day is a horrid road. <laughs> if you're going early in the morning when it's peak hour, it's even worse. It's loud. It's noisy. So you just say to yourself, "Okay, well, it's a means to an end. We've got to do it." And every pilgrimage or every walk has a section that isn't great. You can't help it. It's it's got to be there. So you just get on with it. But once you get into Wanga National Park, it becomes beautiful again. Mm yeah and you go along the Avon river and um I mean who doesn't like walking through Wyanga? it's mm. it, it's actually gorgeous, mm. and you can camp at the campground there mm.
0: so. so what do you think needs to be done to get this up to a standard where it would be uh i guess you know there was a certain hesitation to describe it as a as a great walk but what what could could be done to make this um feasible? I guess, yeah, a more feasible walk that that can be done as a through hike
2: To make it more of a through hike, you need more accommodation. Mm. You need more place for the person to be able to be accommodated at night. As for the route, yes, you do have some road sections that aren't fantastic. They're not great. But unfortunately, it has to go through a lot of private land, and that's not possible. Mm -hmm. I know that they've tried over the years to be able to make it work. But it's just, it, it, there's too much to go through to try and have it happen, for realistically for it to happen. And I think they've actually done a really good job at their last realignment because it's now feeling a bit more, especially once you get into the national parks, you're starting to feel more like you're on a hike and mm. not like a trudge. You're not just walking along a road base. Mm. So I think they've they've done the best in that sense but where it lacks is there's no accommodation no real accommodation or places to stop so either designated campground would be good um or more accommodation like a bnbs yeah
1: because one criticism that i heard from someone in your traveling party was there's no places to sit at the kind of campsite areas that they recommend that you can stay um, so you got to where you were staying for the night, and you just had to sit on the ground?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you you find a log or a rock, or you just, yeah, you just basically have to sit on the ground. No, there isn't. There's not a lot of accommodation that. Um, and I have to say, you know, walking through Norway and Sweden, they're very good at that. You will be walking up through a mountain pass, and all of a sudden there's a bench chair. It's like, how did that get there?
3: <laughs>
2: but they do that and they've, they've accommodated for that, for people to be able to sit. And they have them in the most remote, and bizarre places. We had a day where we were walking along and we were calling them the random chairs because they literally were just random chairs in the middle of nowhere. But they were wonderful because we could sit on them. Um, yeah, so to have that would be a delight, but I don't think it'll be feasible Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, you have, you are going along four-wheel drive tracks. You do have a lot of four-wheel drivers go through. There is access there. You're not fully remote. So I don't believe that they would last, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. I think they would get destroyed.
1: Yeah. Yeah, That's the the reverse of the Camino in WA especially is people aren't terribly accommodating and they like to, to ruin things for others. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. mm. um, but I suppose we can't let you go, Michelle, without you talking about your new book that came mm. out this year. It's a bit of a segue away from Caminos. Uh, the
2: Hike. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, funny enough, I have produced my second book
0: mm-hmm.
2: and once again, true to form, I managed to squeeze it out just as I was running out of the country. I did that last time and left my son to deal with the capes for me while I was away. And the same thing happened with this one. I managed to get it out and then I ran away. Um, but it's a great book. I'm actually, I'm very, very proud of this book. It's, um, Feed the Hike is an all-round book to help people with long-distance hiking, to give them ideas, to make it easier for them. Um, I've, I have have... A lot of guest writers within the book. I even have a chapter from my physiotherapist who will talk about things that you can do to prevent injuries, as well as what do you do if you're on the trail and something happens. Mm. Um, So it is a very well-rounded book in that sense. And it also, as in Feed the Hike, what that means is it's not just food. It's how to feed your body, how to nurture your body. Uh, physically, mentally, so um, just to make your walk a lot better so that you can succeed and have a walk that you enjoy and you can get to the end. I've met so many people on different trails that they don't make it to the end because they haven't nurtured their body enough. They haven't looked after it. They haven't treated it with the respect that they would treat their backpack so, um, and the thing that started me with it was that we spend thousands of dollars on hiking gear, on getting the best pair of shoes, the best boots, the best backpack. But the one thing that we forget to look to spend the money on is the most important piece of equipment, and that's your body. Mm-hmm. We forget that. We don't train enough for it, we don't physically prepare or mentally prepare enough with it. Um, And when we're out on these trails, we don't actually feed it. And I have to say, I'm sorry, people, continental pasta packs (laughs) and two-minute noodles do not cut. They do not cut the cake. I'm sorry. Yeah, there is no nutritional value in those, and they will Mm -hmm. not get you to the end of a trail in a comfortable way. And Mm. let's face it, I'm a hiker that I don't believe, I wouldn't hike if I didn't enjoy it. Mm. And I need to enjoy it in a comfortable way. If I am forcing my body to move, then it's not fun. Mm-hmm. And I don't like to do things that aren't fun. Mm. Yeah.
1: yeah, I've taken a leaf out of your book recently and I've taken real coffee out onto the trail. Good boy. <laughs> That's what I
2: like to hear. Yes, I always, for those who don't know me, I love my coffee and I always carry real coffee with me and my plunger. Yes, I do carry a plunger. <laughs> <laughs> Even across country, mm-hmm. uh, when I'm overseas, I carry my plunger cup with me. Mm-hmm. And that way I can sit and have a coffee when I want to. Um, and I have to say, because I was having this conversation with a friend the other day, because I love my coffee, but I don't actually drink a lot of coffee. Um, I like to, it's more of the, what it represents, Mm. for me it's
1: a little comfort out on the trail from it's, home it's
2: a little comfort out on the trail for home but it also represents it's a time that I stop it's a time that I will make a cup of coffee I will sit down and I'll take a moment and funny enough a lot of people don't see but I actually tip half that cup out I mean I like coffee but it's the moment that I like mm. Mm. And I, I, I have dragged many a people who have seen me sitting on the side of the trail and walked past. I've made them sit down. I say, no, you're not going any further. Sit down, have a cup of coffee with me and take a moment. And that's what it's about for me is, is taking that moment and letting my body feel the trail, feel what's around. Mm.
1: Excellent. Um, so if anyone's looking to buy this book, we will post a link yes. um, to Michelle's website where you can find it or if you're in Dimmicks.
0: Yeah, I was um, in Dimmicks in Garden City and there it was. Yes,
2: <laughs> it's in quite a few of the Dimmick stores and uh, a lot of the visitor centres throughout. But you will see the list on my website of where you can pick up the book. So if there's some somewhere near you it would be convenient to go in and pick it
1: up yeah um i guess we probably ask you what's the next camino you've got planned
2: next camino well i haven't got a camino pilgrimage as such but i have got a walk coming up um my husband and i are now looking at going and doing the southwest coastal path and that is in the uk that's for next year. Yeah, so it's a thousand and thirteen kilometres, um, and it's around the southwest coast of the UK. Excellent. So it's a there. yeah, it's a full coastal hike. So it'll be one that I think you would enjoy, Donovan. It's a, every turn and climb is a all moment. A wow Excellent. moment.
0: That's you know. That's what I live for. Yeah, I think that would
2: be. I'll be thinking of you while I'm walking it. Awesome. You can yeah. take him with you. <laughs>
3: I've got a few of my old plants. You do. Um, so
1: yeah. Thanks very much, Michelle, for You're coming
2: in. Very welcome. Thanks for having me. I love coming in. That's it's been, been awesome. a
0: pleasure having well, you yeah. back. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Hope you have enjoyed this episode. I don't. I think I've. I found this to be very educational. Um, If you've enjoyed this episode or any of our other episodes, please give us a like on our Facebook page or on one of the many platforms you can listen to us on. Um, You know, getting feedback is always really good. It lets us know if we're doing a good job or if we're not. You know, if there's anything we can do to improve, we're, you know, definitely always happy to hear it. If you had any questions or any suggestions for future episodes, you can email us at realtrailtalk at gmail.com or you can message us on any of the platforms that we're on. Thank you for listening and we'll be back in two weeks.